Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. We are in part two of a series we are calling Advent, and we are looking at what Advent is all about. And really, it's a preparation season for Christmas, and it's about making the most of Jesus' birth, but also a preparation season for his coming and his second coming that will, will happen soon. The word Advent, you can write it down in your notes, simply means arrival. And as we celebrate Advent, we are celebrating the arrival of Jesus. And we understand that when Jesus shows up, things change. And when he arrived 2,000 years ago, things changed. When he comes back one day, it'll change. But when he shows up in your life, things will change. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, but when the set time had come, when it was fully come, like when the perfect time was come, God sent his son, born of a woman and born under the law. You see, from the very beginning, God had a perfect plan for the perfect time for Jesus to step on the scene. And in your life right now, no matter how dark it seems, how frustrating it seems, how chaotic it seems, God has a set time for him to step into your situation. And when God steps into a situation, things change. Can I hear a good amen today, church? And and I wanna prep you for this. I wanna make the most of the Advent season. And last week we talked about the arrival of hope. When Jesus shows up, there's hope that comes on the scene. And as Christians, we should have a confident expectation about the results of faith. And if you missed that message last week, I want you to check it out. But today, I want to talk to you for a bit today about the arrival of the way. The arrival of the way. When Jesus shows up, he shows us the way in which we are to live. It was just a few weeks ago, I was in a rental car driving around with one of our staff members. He's 31 years old, a little bit younger than me, and we were traveling on doing some ministry, and he pulls out of the the glove box this thing called a, a map, and he looks at this, and I forget there's like a whole generation that doesn't know what this is. So he looks at it, he's like, he's like, oh man, I can't believe they have one of these. I said, well, I remember the time where I would sit in the back seat while my parents were driving and I would hold one of these. Come on, how many remember those days? Like you'd hold one of these and you go, okay, I think we're getting close. It looks like, yeah, you need to take this road right here. This is it. And he looked at me and he's like, how in the world did you guys like get around anywhere? And I was trying to explain, I felt really old at this time, explaining to him how there was like a whole season where it was like a legit excuse if you said, hey, I wanted to come, but I couldn't find your house. Like I wanted to come to the event, but I couldn't find it. Like I just couldn't get there. So I was explaining to him and he's like, well, how did y'all get around? I said, well, we had our maps. And then when we couldn't figure out what the map said, what we would do is we would roll down our window. Notice I said roll down the window. I didn't say there was a button there. And when you roll down the window, you would find someone that's standing randomly around the road. And as they were standing there, you'd say, excuse me, I need some help. I need to find this certain place. So let's say you were trying to find the the, the Walmart on Gandhi. And so the person would go, oh, I would love to help you. We found it like it was our duty to humanity to help them. And then what they would do is they say, here's what you do. You, You drive for three more red lights and then you turn right. And then you look for a house that has a fence on the corner. That's not the house you turn. Don't turn there. Keep driving the next block. Then you're gonna turn right. Then you're gonna go right about a mile up the road. And when you go right up the road, you're gonna see Gandhi. You turn left. Then it's four more blocks and you'll see Walmart right there. And you leave there and you go. 
And then he would drive in faith to find this place. And the reality was, it was only a few minutes later that you're rolling down your window again, <laughs> finding one more person that you could ask. You see, it was crazy, because then we got a little bit more sophisticated, and this company called MapQuest came out. Come on, how many remember MapQuest? And before you left anywhere, you printed off the notes. And if the, if the plans changed, you were out of luck, because you only had the, the directions, step by step, of how to get there. And then there's something that was so beautiful that was invented where somebody finally came up with the plan. What if we put a GPS in people's car? What if we had a GPS that literally could talk to them and tell them step by step what to do? And even this GPS was so sophisticated that if you missed your turn, it would reroute you to find your way to the destination. And it was just such a game changer that now most of y'all got to church on time today because you followed the GPS to get here. This is what Jesus came to do. I want you to understand that for thousands of years, they would look through the map that God had given them, the Old Testament, and they would see, okay, I, I think this is how we're living. I think this is what's next. I think this is what we're supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, everything changed 2,000 years ago when Jesus stepped on the scene. The way, the, the map, was given to us to show us how to live. You don't have to be confused anymore. You don't have to be frustrated anymore. You don't have to know, sit there and go, I don't know what steps to take anymore. We look at Jesus and Jesus is the way for us to live our life. The Bible says it like this in John chapter 14. I wanna give it to you, it's so beautiful when it maps out exactly what Jesus came to do. It says it like this, John 14, and I'm gonna pick up in verse one. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus talking about the end times. Remember, we're in an advent right now where we're preparing for even his second coming. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believed in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If we're not so, would I not have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And one day he will. He says, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. For you do not know, for you know the place that I'm going. And then Thomas asked this question. It's the question that needed to be asked. He said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And you might be joining us right now at one of these locations and you might be saying, Aaron, I don't know the way. I don't know the way to fix my marriage. I don't know the way to, to get healthy. I don't know the way to find victory in my mind. I don't know a way to get out of this sin. And Jesus responds with the most exclusive, most impactful statement said in all of history, this right here. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you know my Father as well. For now on, you have known him and you have seen him. He makes an unbelievably exclusive claim to say, you know what, if you wanna know the way to go, you wanna go into all that God has for you, you come through me, you come to me. It's always about, and it's always been about following Jesus. Write it down your notes this way. The invitation from Jesus has always been and will always be to follow him. Follow him. This is what Christianity is all about. The phrase, follow him, is mentioned 13 times in the gospel. Every disciple was called with the same phrase, follow me. The rich young ruler was called with the phrase, sell everything. 
follow me. It's not a call to, hey, join my fan club, celebrate me, maybe show up once in a while, admire me. That's not the call of Christianity. The call of Christianity is to follow him. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That's the call of Christianity. Jesus did not come to accumulate fans, but to enlist followers. He has called us to be his followers. You see, a fan is not a follower. A fan comes from the word fanatic. It means someone with extreme enthusiasm, someone that's interested, excited. Maybe you have this for your, your favorite sports team, your movie franchise, your musician, your, your authors. We all express loyalty to th certain things. They get our money once in a while, they get our attention once in a while, but at the end of the day, they are a part of your life, they aren't your life. That is what it's like to be a fan of something. But when you're a follower of something, it consumes everything that you are. And that is what Jesus has called us to be. He's called us to not be fans, but to be followers. And in the ministry of Jesus, there were thousands of fans and very few followers. Jesus would preach to the masses, sometimes five, 10, 20,000 people. Those are fans. Those are there, people that are there for, man, what's gonna be good for me today? But at the end of the day, there was only a very few amount of followers. You see, fans want to be close enough to Jesus to get the benefit, but not so close to where it requires true sacrifice and commitment. And I wonder with your life, are you a fan or are you a follower? The Bible says it this way, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. That's a, fan, that's a follower. That is someone who says, you know what? I'm gonna live my life by following the way. That word way in our passage today in John 14 is this word hodos is the Greek word. And what it means, it means highway. It means path, it means map. We look at Jesus's life and we say, if that's how Jesus lived, then that's how I'm gonna live also. That is why on your way out today, if you didn't get them on your way in, we're giving out WWJD bracelets. Come on, one of my missions in life is to make WWJD bracelets cool again, ladies and gentlemen. And if you don't remember these phrases, it, was, it simply means this, what would Jesus do? Because your opinion doesn't matter, your, your, your desires don't matter. You have denied yourself, you've taken up your cross, and you now live as a follower of the way. By the way, church history thing for you right now, they weren't originally called Christians at the beginning, they were called followers of the way. What a great description. I wonder if people looked at your life and they would say, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure much about them, but I know they're following Jesus. I know the way they treat their friends and the way they treat their enemies and the way they do business, they're followers of Jesus. So I want you to wear this bracelet, especially during the holidays. So when you get to Christmas dinner and your uncle's going crazy, you're going, all right, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? I mean, how am I gonna respond? How am I gonna act? Let's live a life as followers of the way. Let me, let me break down three things. I could go through a whole series of what does it mean to live like Jesus. There was a great quote I heard one time. It says, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, then you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. 
And a lot of people want the life of Jesus without the lifestyle of Jesus. So I'm gonna give you three breakdowns of the lifestyle of Jesus. What, it'll be a great challenge for you as we go into this Christmas season for you to understand what does it mean to be a follower of the way. The way of Jesus, number one, is that you gotta slow down to connect with God. Slow down to connect with God. Many of your lives are overly busy, overextended, overscheduled, you're overwhelmed all the time, and the reality is, is that you're just way too busy. And we've prided ourselves on it, aren't, don't we? It's like, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm so busy, just so busy. Imagine this, if anybody should have had an unbelievably busy schedule, it would have been Jesus. Jesus's mission is more important than your mission. Jesus's mission was to save all of humanity and he had to do it in three years. All right, if that was you, then you would just walk around everywhere with like your hair crazy, you'd work 100 hours a week and everybody's like, hey, can you come and hang out? I can't hang out right now. Gotta save the world, gotta save the world. Got a lot going on, got a lot. I don't think you understand who I am. I gotta save the world today. Like he, he would burn every relationship. He'd never have time for family. He'd always be running everywhere. But when we look at Jesus's life, the absolute opposite is what we see. Jesus was never in a rush. He was never in a hurry. By the way, cool Bible trivia for you. He never ran one time. Some of you are like, yeah, me too. Right? <laughs> Doing that this year. We never have one instance of Jesus running from meeting to meeting. Why? Because Jesus understood how important it is to slow down and connect with God. Because if we were, I mean, can you imagine if Jesus was like us every time, like, hey, Jesus, can you come and heal me? You're like, Jesus is like, I'm busy, I'm busy, busy, got a lot going on. But Jesus did, in the busiest season of his life, when the world was all pulling on him, look what it says in Luke 5, 15, yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Okay, so. This crowds all heard about him. They all wanted him to heal, heal him. And here's what Jesus did. So Jesus burned out his disciples and his friends and his schedule, and he worked all uh, the burned the candle at both ends. Is that what the Bible says? No. Look what it says. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and look at that and prayed. Jesus knew the power of slowing down to connect with God. Can I just ask you a question? When is the last time you slowed down to connect with God? You go, well, Aaron, I'm really busy. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. You're too busy. And you go, well, I got a lot going on in your life. You're missing out on what you were created to do, which is to connect with the God of the universe. And Jesus showed us that your life can be highly productive, yet you can slow down at times and connect with God. That's why the Psalm said it this way. The Psalm says to be still and know that I am God. Like to be still. It's awkward, isn't it? Because we need something next. Like some of you are like, well, give me the next note, Aaron. I'm ready. I've got to go to the buffet soon. Like, I gotta go. I gotta beat the Baptist there. You're not gonna beat them there, I promise you. You gotta slow down. Here's my challenge this holiday season. Ready? For this holiday season, my challenge 
is for you to slow down and connect with God. Don't buy into the busyness of this season that you miss out on what this season is actually all about. That you're all in preparation for a day and you miss out on what that whole day is about. Slow down. Focus on what matters most. Slow down. Be fully present with your family. Slow down. Hear me out. Get off your phones in front of them. Like, slow down. Speak to your neighbors this holiday season. Slow down. Pray and connect with God. And then when you want to rush off, pause even more and pray a little bit more. The lifestyle of Jesus is that we're not going to let the busyness of this world keep us from what we're created to do, which is to connect with the God of the universe. You can do it, church. You can do it. Come on, give them a little bit of praise today, church. You can do it. Slow down and connect with God. Number two, write it down in your notes. The way of Jesus is to serve others. Serve others. When we look at the life of Jesus, if anybody should have come here with the perspective of, you're here to serve me, it should have been Jesus. I mean, he's God of the universe. You walk in the room, you better bow down. But Jesus took a different approach. It was interesting, there's a story in the Gospels where a mother of two of Jesus' disciples, two of the disciples were brothers, the mother pulls Jesus aside and says, hey, I don't think you know how amazing my sons are. Come on, isn't that like every mom right there? My mom did it to my, my, my uh, fifth grade soccer coach. He said, I, don't think you're, I think you're missing out on my son, he's amazing. I wasn't amazing. There was a reason I was on the bench, but the moms do this. And the mom pulled Jesus aside and said, here's how amazing my sons are. I would like them to sit at your right hand and your left hand in the next kingdom. And Jesus looked at her and said, you don't have a clue what you're asking for. And then he recognized it. I want you to get this. He recognized it, that maybe his followers have actually don't understand what it means to be a follower. Maybe they're in this thing to be fans. So what he did is he confronted them. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Look, he said, Jesus called together and said to them, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Everybody else makes it about themselves. It's all about their prestige, their platform, how they've climbed the corporate ladder, not, as, not for you. And he says this, he goes, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And then he gives the description, ready? Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came down here to serve us, to serve people, and he did it as an example for us. Culture makes it all about us. Culture says, what's best for me? But Christianity is, what's best for others? Culture is, how am I being celebrated? Where Christianity is, how am I celebrating other people? Culture is, how can I get a title? But Christianity is about grabbing the title and serving and washing other people's feet. You see, it's different. We're not here what's in it's best for us. It's what's best for those around us. And if you want to be significant in the kingdom of God, understand this, serving is the pathway to significance. We will change the world by learning to serve other people. This is so countercultural to what we do in our, in our American culture because it's all about us. And I'm challenging you this holiday season, make it about others. Live the way of Jesus. And the way of Jesus is to slow down, connect with God, and to serve other people around you. Number three, we'll close with this one. Is how, what's the way of Jesus? The way of Jesus is that we sacrifice with eternity in mind. 
We don't avoid sacrifice. We embrace sacrifice as Christians. We sacrifice. We sacrifice our ego. We sacrifice our agenda. We sacrifice our money. We sacrifice our time. And we do it because we know that eternity is real. And it's real and it's coming for all of us. So what we do right now is an investment to what happens there. Jesus said it this way. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you. And then look at this phrase. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But look at this phrase right here. But if it dies. Imagine this. Imagine if your ego dies. Imagine if your agenda dies. Imagine if your plans dies. If it dies, if you lay it down, look what he says. He goes, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Many seeds. And then he goes on to say this phrase. Look at this. He says, anyone who loves their life will lose it. I'm not saying you can't have a good time, but he's actually given a description. He's saying, if your heart and your passion is what can you get in this world, you've missed it. But then he says this phrase, but anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That, that word hate is a strong word. What he's saying is, he's saying in comparison to what your agenda is in the next life, this life, should, it should almost feel like you hate what we're doing right now because what we're going to is so great. I just wonder, I wonder, are you laying down your life on a daily basis for the life that is to come? Are you, are you sacrificing now? Like even moments like this with Legacy Sunday and serving on the dream team and it's another night in our small group. I got to get our house cleaned again for the first time this week. Like, like, it's small sacrifice, but it's for a big eternity that's ahead of us. C.S. Lewis says it this way. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. And isn't that the truth? I just want to remind you. The whole goal of this today is just to remind you we're called to follow the way. The way, like Jesus didn't say, come and admire me. He says, hey, lay down your life for me. Lay down your life. As I do, you do it also. So you gotta slow down. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta learn how to serve other people. And then I wonder if we're living a life of sacrifice for the kingdom of God. The good news is that every time we sacrifice something, every time we lay down our life, every time... Any time there's a death in the kingdom of God, there's always a resurrection on the other side. That's the way of Jesus, remember? Remember he who offered his life for your sins and went to the cross as the example of a life that is laid down. Three days later, he rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And he showed us the example that when you lay down your life and when you sacrifice for the greater good, that one day there will be a resurrection of your purpose and your destiny and your calling and life and life to the full. There's always a resurrection on the other side of our sacrifice. So we're going to celebrate that right now. We're going to have a moment right now to remember the sacrifice of Jesus as we close out this service. All of those who are at home, I want you to join us with this. So we're gonna take a moment and celebrate by taking communion together. And you should have gotten the elements on the way in. If you didn't get them, our team is running through the aisle right now. Just throw a hand up right now. And we're gonna make sure we get you some elements to make sure you have it for us. But Jesus instituted this on the night 
that he was betrayed and said we should do this regular. We do this the second Sunday of every month here at Radiant Church. And I thought it was a perfect thing to do, especially on Legacy Sunday, a Sunday that we're asking people to sacrifice. Following the way, we wanna remember the sacrifice of Jesus. So the Bible says when we take communion, we should examine our hearts. So I want you to do me a favor across all of our campuses. Just close your eyes for just a second. I want you to examine. Are you where you need to be with God? Are you right with God today? Are you living holy? Are you compromising? Just ask the Lord. You see, confession is good for a soul. Say, God, confess. Maybe there's some bitterness, some unforgiveness. Just get it out of your heart right now. Just ask God to do that deep work. I'm gonna give you about 15 more seconds. While you're examining your heart, there's people here today at one of our campuses and you don't have a relationship with God. I want you to know you can. Today's your day where you can surrender your life to him. You see, sin is the problem. Sin separates our relationship, separates our relationship with God. But that's why Jesus came. He came and died on that cross 2,000 years ago for your sins and for mine. And today, now it's our job to say, you know what, I'm surrendering my life to him. And when you submit your life to him, everything changes. If that's you on the count of three, before we take communion together, if you go, Aaron, I'm here today. I don't have a relationship with Christ, but I want to start it. And this is your moment to give your life to Christ. I'm going to have you respond by just waving a hand at me on the count of three and put it right back down. One, two, three. Come on, be bold right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So many people. Thank you. Wave it at me in the back there. Put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you to all of our campuses. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. So many people. Let's all pray this prayer out loud together. Say, dear Jesus, come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my sin. Thank you for dying for me. I choose to live for you for the rest of my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says... Amen, amen, amen. We're proud of y'all that made that decision right now. Hey, take that piece of bread, the little cracker on the top. I want you to open it up. I want you to hold it in your hand. We're gonna end this service by remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. It's a sacrifice that we admire, but it's also a sacrifice we follow. The first sacrifice is his body was broken for us. Don't you remember that? Don't you remember that he was fully God, but he was also fully human? And that means that he had a physical body that underwent pain and torture, and he pushed through that pain because he saw you on the other side. You know what that shows us? That we can push through whatever pain we're going through right now because there's purpose on the other side of it. So Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. We thank you that by your stripes, we are healed and made whole. We remember that. Thank you, Jesus. Let's eat together. Flip it over. You take that cup out juice right there represents the blood of Jesus. See, without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. That's why Jesus came. He was the ultimate sacrifice. We talked about it last week. That now we can be totally forgiven. And we know that nothing can wash away our sins except for the blood of Jesus. You are forgiven, made whole, made right before God. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. We thank you for your sacrifice. For as the joy set before you, you endured the cross, scorning its shame. Lord, there is so much that you endured for our salvation, and we thank you for it, and we'll remember it, and we'll stay in awe of our salvation. In Jesus' name, let's drink together. 
We'll collect them on the way out. But can we just as a church, just thank Jesus for the sacrifice that he paid for us. Come on, Radiant Church, give him some praise. Let's thank him today. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.